While much of the nation's attention has been on expanding medical benefits to millions of Americans under health care reform, President Barack Obama has also taken steps to ensure medical care delivery, research, and technology are conducted in an ethically responsible manner. The president does this with the help of a commission for the study of bioethical issues. You're listening to ReachMD Radio on XM160, the channel for medical professionals. I'm Bruce Japson, your host, and joining me today is Dr. Daniel Solmacy. He's an internist and a Franciscan friar. Dr. Solmacy is the Kilbride Clinton Chair in Medicine and Ethics in the Department of Medicine and the Divinity School and Associate Director of the McLean Center for Clinical Medical Ethics at the University of Chicago. His research interests include both theoretical and empirical studies of ethics and spirituality in medicine. He is editor-in-chief of the journal Theoretical Medicine and Bioethics and has written four books. In 2005, he was appointed by then-New York Governor George Pataki to the New York State Task Force on Life and the Law. He received his medical degree from Cornell University and completed his residency, chief residency, and postdoctoral fellowship in general internal medicine at the Johns Hopkins Hospital. He received his Ph.D. in philosophy from Georgetown University in 1995. And we're so happy to have him here. He joins us from his offices on Chicago's South Side Hyde Park neighborhood at the University of Chicago. Dr. Daniel Solmacy, welcome to ReachMD Radio on XM160, the channel for medical professionals. Good to be with you, Bruce. Well, it's great to have you here. And if you could, for our listeners, first tell us a little bit about exactly what is the Presidential Commission for the Study of Bioethical Issues, and how did you land on this committee? Well, every president since the 70s has, in one form or another, created some kind of commission or committee like this. And each one, it seems, dissolves the previous one and creates their own, giving it a slightly different name, which makes it a bit confusing. So it's nothing that's automatic for every administration? No, there's no law that says they have to have one. But I think that most presidents have recognized how biotechnology and medicine raise such difficult and vexing ethical issues that they see a need for having such advice. In the process of doing this, most of the advice, while it's directed to the president, in some ways also has an educational uh, function and winds up doing a lot to educate the public as well. Well, and I know uh, President Obama has been so focused on health care and health care reform. What do you envision is his vision for this commission? And do you anticipate tackling any key issues right away? The president has not given a specific agenda. He recognizes there are a variety of uh, issues and is giving the commission members pretty much at this point free reign to decide together on what we think the agenda would be related to emerging issues in biotechnology and research and in patient care. Now, you had mentioned before you had said it could tackle vexing ethical issues, which sort of intrigued me. Has the committee met on any issues now, and do you envision what some of these potential vexing issues could be? We have not yet met. We had one conference call. That's it. Our first meeting will be in July. The uh, hope is that it will actually be at the White House, but we've not done anything more than set a schedule of meetings and begun initially to look at the wide range of possible issues we might address, some of which 
have to do with research, some of which have to do with patient care. Well, could you give me an example with research? I know that President Obama is in the process of easing some of the regulations relative to embryonic stem cell research. I mean, is that something that the commission would weigh on or would it be something completely different? It could be something that we would weigh in on, um, but there are lots of other kinds of issues. There's a lot of concern, for instance, with the ways in which uh, research is conducted, a lot of controversy. You're probably aware with the FDA. Some people think that they're too slow to approve drugs. Some people think they're not strict enough in terms of regulations and very little guidance there. Uh, There's a lot of work that needs to be done in clarifying the role of U.S. researchers conducting investigations in the developing world, whether that's through industry or through federally sponsored research. There are continuing questions about the amount of risk that subjects should be able to undertake, questions of whether people who are demented can participate in research if they can't give consent themselves. So there are a host of issues just within the research realm that are beyond the questions about embryonic stem cell research, which have been so prominent. Well, could you give me an example? I mean, the whole idea of the FDA, the FDA is constantly in the news about whether they are doing their job appropriately. And you brought up the idea of researching, you know, demented people probably with Alzheimer's and so forth and the kind of subjects you would use in research. With the FDA is being asked to move quickly, could you give us an example perhaps of what some of the ethical issues researchers could face? Sure. Well, there are issues regarding, for instance, whether or not a person with dementia can participate in research that's more than minimal risk. And minimal risk by the current regulations means something akin to a blood draw or the simple kinds of risks that one undertakes in ordinary life. And other than that, surrogates are not really supposed to be allowed to give consent for people who are demented to partake in other kinds of research, even though that research might in fact be very valuable in learning more about how Alzheimer's disease could be treated in the future and perhaps, you know, who knows, come up with a cure for a disease like that. This hampers research. It hampers progress in terms of treatment for these diseases. But on the other hand, what more vulnerable population could there be than people who have Alzheimer's disease who can't really give consent for themselves and worry uh, that they might be subjected to much risk by people who are interested simply in learning for learning's sake. Well, if you're just joining us, or even if you're new to our channel, you're listening to ReachMD Radio on XM160, the channel for medical professionals. I'm Bruce Japson, your host, and joining me today is Dr. Daniel Sumacy, who's an internist and a Franciscan friar and the Kilbride Clinton Chair in Medicine in the Ethics Department at the University of Chicago. And he was recently appointed with several other individuals to the Presidential Commission for the Study of Bioethical Issues. And we were just talking about some of the issues that could arise. And you bring up an excellent point with Alzheimer's because you're talking about potentially an issue coming before the commission, whether they would be able to do a trial without people's consent. Yes, when those subjects are unable to give consent themselves, can family members give consent? 
And what if it's not even something that seems in some ways directly related to their own disease? Let's say something about the prevention of bed sores. That's not Alzheimer's disease itself, but it's a known complication. Currently, people would suggest that you should try that study in people who let's say, have paraplegia, younger people who have been injured in accidents and can give consent themselves. But then the question that comes back is, is the kind of conditions under which they get bed sores uh, the same as somebody who's got Alzheimer's? And will whatever is used for them work for people who are in Alzheimer's? So these, these questions about research ethics are with us, and we've not really come nationally to a resolution about the best way to proceed. So if the commission came up with some guidelines either about how Alzheimer's patients were tested, how does that work? You meet, you come up with something, you present it to the president himself, or do you put it toward the FDA, or how does this work? First of all, again, to remind the listeners that it's not necessarily certain that this will be an issue that we will even put on the table. This is just a hypothetical. But the way things have worked in the past is that commissions will create reports. And they will usually bring in experts to give testimony, um, do some reading, have staff people who will help to make preparations for such a report, um, have discussions among the members, and then create a report which is delivered to the president. But typically, they've been published as books. It is true that all of these uh, meetings are going to be open to the public and people will be allowed to visit. So it's a very transparent process. And Amy Gutman, who's the chair, is the president of the University of Pennsylvania and is very famous as a political philosopher for her being a proponent of something called deliberative democracy. So there's a hope, I think, among all of us that we would have this very open process and we would make recommendations then ostensibly to the president, but they would be as concrete, I think, as we could make them and as practical as we could make them, that here are the things we would recommend that would be changes in legislation, which would be uh, important. Here are things that would be done through the regulatory powers of the executive branch that could be changed without legislation. And this is why we think these are good steps to take. And then um, it's up to the president to endorse those or not, to work with Congress or not, if it's a legislative solution, to try to enact these kinds of reforms. I also see where the commission, it seems to be very bipartisan, and you've worked with Republicans and Democrats. I mean, is it important that there even be this commission of bioethical issues? Because I think some of these can be really hot-button things, and it seems that this group is rather bipartisan and could be something that could get a lot of referrals from the White House. Yes, well, I think the hope is to have a number of people who can talk about ethical issues that, whether they're hot button or not, can be addressed in a dispassionate but serious, um, engaged way and perhaps be a forum in which we can have that kind of discussion nationally about issues that sometimes do divide us but that we all seek collectively to find what we think is the ethically best solution to the problem before us. Now, individually, do you have any sort of issues that you bring to the table? I know you have an interesting background, uh, School of Divinity, Department of Medicine, Franciscan Friar. Our listeners might not even know what that is. 
Yes, I'm a member of a Roman Catholic religious order founded by St. Francis 800 years ago. I don't wear my habit typically in the hospital. I think it might scare patients if I came <laughs> down the hallway with the hood up. You know, is it that bad, Doc? Oh, please. <laughs> Certainly in these meetings, which are very public, we'll not wear my habit, but we'll wear a uh, sport coat and tie like other members would. And we'll engage in this discourse, certainly not alienated from my own background as a religious person, and I think that's probably part of why I was chosen to be someone on the commission who comes out of a very clear religious background, but is open to discourse about these issues in the public arena with people of reason and goodwill using the tools of philosophy and medicine. So I think that's one thing that I bring to the table. Another is my emphasis in clinical work. I still care for patients. I'm on service now. I'm directing the interns and the residents on the floor. I still see patients, uh, supervise interns and residents in the outpatient setting. And so, the, and the focus of much of my ethical reflection has been on clinical practice, not so much on the emerging technologies. And is there important. more issues doctors are facing? Do doctors in internists such as yourself, are they going to face bioethical issues where they would need some sort of government counsel, help from this commission? Yes, huge numbers of issues. I think, for instance, many clinicians recognize the ways in which the solutions of the 1970s, the living will, for end-of-life decision-making have not been very successful, and that while do-not-resuscitate orders may no longer be a secret, they're still something that clinicians find terribly vexing and difficult to deal with. The more technologies that we create, the more questions that are raised about when's the wise time to use it and when's the wise time to cease and desist from the use of those kinds of therapies for individuals. I think as genetics begins to become more and more prominent in medicine, it raises all kinds of questions about confidentiality, counseling, whether one should be directive, not directive, what does one do with uh, stored tissue samples where we have the DNA from people and can do experiments maybe you know, 20 years after the person donates the sample, what are the issues of informed consent for doing that? Just some of the kinds of issues that clinicians will are already beginning to face and will face, I think, more dramatically as technology continues to develop. Well, with that, I'd like to thank Dr. Daniel Sumesi, who has been our guest. He is a member of the Presidential Commission for the Study of Bioethical Issues. I'm sure it's a commission that you are going to be reading about and hearing about as this young presidential administration of Barack Obama continues to reform the health care system. My name is Bruce Japson, your host, and you've been listening to ReachMD Radio on XM160, the channel for medical professionals. ReachMD, online, on demand, and on the air. Please check us out at ReachMD.com, and I'd like to thank you today for listening.